Welcome to Ultiverse OQ, your guide to the Ultimate Universe. I'm Podcast Forum. I'm Luke. I'm Devin. And this week we're covering X Men and Fantastic Four. Not the series X Men and Fantastic Four, but the Ultimate and Ultimate Fantastic Four and X Men. Yes, we are going to be covering. Ultimate X-Men numbers 40 through 45, and Ultimate X-Men numbers 7 through 12, and... Ultimate Fantastic Four number 7 through 12. For all you listeners at home. Thank you for correcting me, Devin. Because <laughs> I am a, a very flawed and broken human being. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, we have some interesting stories. I remember like a lot of people not liking ultimate doctor doom who shows up in fantastic four and there's some very bendacy stuff that happens in ultimate x-men mm-hmm. so let's get into that ultimate x-men number 40 through 45 was written by brian michael bendis with pencils by david finch inks by arthur the bear danny mickey john dell and john Sabal. With colors by frank diarmada moro hollowell and justin ponsor with chris eliopoulos on the letters and as a quick refresher, because it's been a while, one of the last major things that had happened was uh, Renegade ex-soldiers from Weapon X tried to murder the X-Men. And they were stopped by the X-Men who were going against what Nick Fury had told them to do. And as a result, the people who were sponsoring this paramilitary organization ended up... Uh, Pretty much being able to kill themselves and get away with it. Yeah. But Charles Xavier has brought Warren, Worthing- Warren Worthington III, a mutant with wings like an angel whose parents have effectively disowned him. He's rich. He is super rich. There's a lot of mixed feelings because he's hot, but he has wings like a mainstream Judeo-Christian angel, which particularly bothers Rogue, especially since Nightcrawler is there looking like a demon, and she thinks it might be a sign of the end coming. She's not alone in thinking... At, uh, um, at it when an angry mob shows up after Beast shared information about Angel Online, which the X-Men are upset at. Uh, Warren ends up leaving so Xavier sends Storm after him because Xavier knows he finds Storm attractive. Storm finds him. We get more evidence that Colossus is queer when Storm mentioned he finds Warren to be hot. The two get to talking about being seen only for their mutation, flight, and ultimately Storm makes the point that they get to be different and try to reach out. Warren flies back to the crowd, explains he's not an angel, and the crowd leaves, calling it a hoax. Meanwhile, someone approaches Beast with a mysterious offer. And then we get a really interesting uh, one-shot where, essentially, Professor Xavier sends Wolverine to Bromley, South Carolina, to kill a teen mutant who has woken up with his powers and has been accidentally disintegrating everybody around him and who has killed most of his town. And Wolverine kills him, because if this happened, it would be really bad for mutants. And, I, and like, I've been listening to a lot of Battle of the Atom. Congrats again on the 100th episode and restoring the timeline. And also getting the Rob on there. They have the Rob on the podcast, Devin. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, like they, and I believe also uh, explained the X-Men have been talking a lot about sort of the ethics or lack thereof of Charles Xavier. And 
Also, friend of the show and cast member on RPG Pals Club, Sahoni uh, Gar Atkins, uh, was talking a lot about sort of dealing with mutants and their requirements as disability and how, like, this in particular is Charles Xavier being less of a social and caring activist and more of just trying to find the easiest solution for his position and what he does here is essentially incredibly unethical like i'm not like it was xavier who asked this to be done not fury correct uh-huh. i mean i i feel on a level like it would make more sense for fury to go and send wolverine and to kill this person who's a danger to their basic movement and also a threat to national security without having a concern but Xavier doesn't even try and consider this as something that can be resolved without Wolverine murdering a teen who has never actually given a name. R.I.P. unnamed teen. Yeah. And even though he kills like 350 people, you could at least try and like bubble boy him. Because Charles, you got money. Uh, the government has money. And you know where this sort of person could come into hand? Come into play? I mean... You have no problem paramilitarizing uh, mutant teens. Uh, having a murder boy who you can just drop into a building and kill everybody that way seems like it would be a pretty helpful solution to have, though also highly unethical. Like, I think this is the most openly problematic side of like things that we've seen Xavier do because it's not him doing something unethical by neglect or by not really caring or not considering things. This is him actively sending in a mutant to kill another mutant. Ah, but according to my ethics and philosophy class that I took in college, Luke, actually it is the ethical decision to do. It's all about what has the greater good in the long run. So are you saying this is a mutant trolley problem? Potentially. Because he talked to us about the book version of Forrest Gump, which I never read because I didn't even know it was a book. But apparently when he is at his ping pong tournament in China, he sees a man who is drowning and he saves him. That man turns out to be uh, Mao Zedong. So that the whole so that we talked about it was it ethical for him to have saved him because at the same time while he did save that man he would later go on to kill millions and millions of people. But he did not. Forrest Gump did not know that who that man would become. I, Forrest Gump does not have premonition. I agree, but his comment was still based off how ethics work. It is still technically the unethical move. No, because the unethical thing would be allowing a man to die because they might be capable of doing great evil. Not according to the ethics we learned. Ethics can technically um, never be fully learned because it goes way beyond the action that you did. You may, oh, you may think that it was a good idea at the time, but way <laughs> later on down the road, it was not. Hi, season three of The Good Place. I haven't watched it. Oh, it's really good. 
Uh, you find out that Veronica Mars dies sometime, and uh, then she's sent... Have you seen any of the good like the first, like, four or five episodes. Oh, okay, okay shit, yeah, no, you... You gotta finish that first season, cause it's a it's a slow burn, but then it flips the twist and it it, it executes it perfectly. Okay. And then it gets into really good discussions, like they do an entire episode on the trolley problem. Okay. Uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, Charles Xavier is actively unethical in his actions and does not come from things in a perspective uh, because he is an incredibly privileged white asshole. Meanwhile, Shan Koi Man is introduced to the president as a new black ops mutant with mysterious powers. Back at the school, Scott confronts Jean about the two people she had killed in a helicopter who were trying to kill them, or at least who were trying to track them down to kill them, and her losing control of her powers but he is still there to support her. Xavier then sends Scott, Colossus, and Kitty to see Dazzler, who in this universe is a punk rock mutant with light control powers instead of a disco glam pop star, which is just a weird... Like, it comes off as such a weird... Oh, you know how Dazzler is normally all about pop star and stuff? Well, here she is going to be a punk rocker who spits on people and who has piercings and it's it's just a weird take because why would she go by dazzler well that part's dumb but i think it's actually smart to made her to punk rocker because i mean you're going with her being like a pop star disco person because that was the popular musical style at the time where we're talking mid-2000s where we have like the rise of green day and the emo scene wouldn't the rise of Green Day been like the mid nineties, late nineties. Not well. This is like the reemergence of them with American Idiot and the Vans Warped Tour. <laughs> I wanna be a dazzler, idiot. Wanna go and blind people with sound. Exactly. Uh, yeah, they try and recruit her, but she says only if she can get a record deal. And she also mentions another group tried to recruit her before she makes them all leave. And Storm, meanwhile, has developed more focused uses of her power, but when she goes to share it with Hank, he has left <gasps> school. Hank, you're also an asshole here. But you got teen problems. So many teen problems. Meanwhile, in the Situation Room in the White House, which is Cyproof, the President, the Director of Intelligence, and some other men are meeting without Nick Fury to talk about the possibility of the anti-mutant sentiment in his administration because people believe he's being controlled by Charles Xavier. We find out that Chan uh, actually checked to make sure his brain was good, but the other people still won't believe it. They think that the relationship with Xavier will be a problem because Xavier has a lot of skeletons in this closet and also bring up the Bromwell incident. They suggest getting some new mutants and introduce him to Emma Frost. Storm and the rest of the expo meet up with Xavier to discuss Beast leaving and how he's off the grid. Meanwhile, in the Situation Room, when Emma reveals she's a mutant, she's attacked for being a security threat. The president stops it, though, and she continues to explain that she has been working with mutant students and that she can turn into a crystal-like substance which the president is more interested in. It's such a weird scene, because it's like, hi, we brought Emma Frost, a teacher from Chicago, with interesting theories about uh, mutant rights. Also, she is a mutant. Ah, really? Show me your mutant ability! 
I don't know why that's sort of a JFK when it should have been a George W. Bush. We're waiting, Luke. Where's the W impression? Oh, God. Ah. Uh, well, I want to see your mute. No, that's 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 the terror from the Tick TV show, which I've been watching. And that would be closer to a regular sure. impression, Luke. Yeah. Uh, I haven't thought about Bush so many times. I I I I really ignored him. I I knew him more on bad TV. <laughs> Show me mutant abilities. That's better. Is that good? Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Emma wants to approach the mutant issue from a social angle by educating them. She has been in a relationship with Xavier, but believes that the mutants need role models more than people fighting. Xavier, meanwhile, reaches out to Beast using Cerebro, who doesn't want to talk to Xavier because he's tired of being put in danger, and he doesn't want to stay around the X-Men because also he doesn't feel super good about what they're doing there. Emma Frost, meanwhile, goes over her team of mutants. There's Dazzler, who they bought with a record deal and an MTV deal. Beast, Alex Summers, the older brother of Cyclops, who hasn't talked to Cyclops since he joined up with Xavier, and who wants to be bigger than his brother. Uh, the president, meanwhile, rejects Lorna Dane, Alex's girlfriend with green hair who has magnetic powers, a wolf girl, and some guy named Bishop. But he does also recruit Shan, and this is going to be their education plan team. Like, they don't really define what they're going to do beyond being, like, mutant role models. Like... Maybe they'll go on TV and do some infomercials or like some commercials and it's like, hey, just because you're different doesn't mean you can't brush your teeth. Humans and mutants, dental hygiene is Truth. important for you. I feel like they're going to be getting some of those Got Milk or Read posters that were huge at the time. Hey, kids, bullying is wrong because one of your kids who you could bully might end up developing mutant powers and taking it and taking revenge on you one day. Think before you act. Think out of fear. Do you want to not get crushed by rubble next time Magneto attacks? Drink milk to get your bones nice and strong. Hey kids, want to avoid the deadly brain control powers of Professor Charles Xavier? Don't read. It just makes your mind full of more wrinkles. And that allows him to grab at your brain even more. Remember, an uneducated populace is safe from Charles Xavier populace. I'm out of him. Hey, kids. Do you see someone doing weird things with magnets? Yes, especially your science teacher. Immediately report them to Homeland Security. They might be a magneto. That's how Timmy got out of taking that quiz. <laughs> AP mm -hmm. Uh So Scott and the X-Men approach Xavier about Dazzler having mentioned another team, and that's when Nick Fury shows up. 
Wolverine, meanwhile, who's being a bad trainer with Angel in the danger room, smells fury in the building. Fury explains the problems that the president has been dealing with, and he needs proof now so he can act. He tells Xavier about Emma Frost's plan to have a team that isn't going to kill people or fight violently, and how Hank has been recruited along with Alex. And he believes that the announcement will be a security risk for this new group of untrained mutants. Truth. The X-Men then go to the Capitol for the meeting, but as the speech is going on, a Sentinel appears. The new mutants are ill-prepared, and Beast is crushed in the rubble. Storm and Rage starts trashing the Sentinel, even more threatening the civilians, so Xavier knocks her out, and Kitty enters the Sentinel to deactivate it. Xavier then says, nice try, just trying to teach. Emma's enraged, and Fury meets with uh, Karma as the X-Men leave. Fury gets permission to pursue this. Meanwhile, in the Situation Room, the Director and the Secretary behind the attack are frustrated by the attack failing and plan to kill the President, but it turns out this was a trap by Karma, controlling the Secretary of Defense to trap the rest of the group in a sting, which works. Meanwhile, Beast is given a funeral. Xavier talks to Emma and the New Mutants and apologizes for shutting Emma out earlier, and Xavier is left wondering, what will the next step be? I, I do find it kind of interesting that the question is never raised, is Xavier not creating pro-mutant sentiment, but is he stoking anti-mutant sentiment with his psychic powers? Because you know who isn't going to allow a brain scan? The people who are afraid of mutants mm-hmm. doing brain scans on them. I, I, I feel like he could be unethical enough to be pushing people to get them to act out, to basically get to be like, oh, hey, here's what the people who are against us are doing. They're actively trying to kill us. Uh, We should stop them. And then it allows him to more easily place a pro-mutant organization in the world. Charles wouldn't do that. We then have Ultimate Fantastic Four, number 7 through 12, which was written by Warren Ellis, taking over for Bendis and Mark Millar, with Stuart Eminem on pencils, inks by Wade Von Grawbadger and Dave Stewart, or inks by Wade Von Grawbadger with Dave Stewart on colors, and Chris Eliopoulos on the letters. And Dr. Storm finds Reed Richards on the top of the Baxter building, puzzling over what went wrong with the teleporter and why Victor Von Damme changed the system and also where Victor is now. You find out that Victor, at 10 years old, found he was descended from the line of Dracula and that he was expected to shape the world and allowed the limits to be put on himself. But uh, Dracula's family was ultimately forced to flee and they split into various lines and one of those lines is the bandams reed meanwhile has not received his physical yet but sue forces him to go when he tries to seem like he's more important and then they decide to make out afterwards there's lots of uh physiological questions about all of them and sue mentions how she noticed reed no longer eats sue finds out that reed is essentially a giant amoeba which is why he can stretch and sue still wants him Yet he does. She won't set him, but did. Victor, meanwhile, was forced to memorize his family line, but since the experiment his body has transformed, his is no longer the human perfection he considered himself to be, but now has a metal body, goat man legs, and plans to get his revenge. We find out that in Denmark, Van Damme has established a permanent autonomous zone where it's free to live, eat, and stay. 
and Dan releases a swarm of robot wasps. Meanwhile, Bree believes that when they went through the portal, they got stuck as different possibilities, and Bree believes if they can find out how Victor changed the formulas, he might be able to turn them back. As they deal with Ben's frustration with staying inside, they find he is incredibly strong and able to lift tons. Meanwhile, Meanwhile, the swarm of robots attack, with Johnny being the first to notice as they fly towards the Baxter building, so he flames on and ends up bursting through the windows, ironically letting the bugs into the building. The bugs start killing soldiers as the team turns on the security and works to kill as many of the bugs as they can, while also trying to protect Dr. Storm and the other civilians there. Reed feels useless since his powers aren't helpful, so he finds where everyone is and discovers that the uh, robots are being controlled by a Bluetooth, which was something that was new at the time. Mm-hmm. Reed realizes that they are made from garbage, like broken phones, and Reed has the team corral them into a single room, and once in there, Johnny explodes in flames, destroying all the bugs as Sue struggles to keep the fire in the room contained. They find that Johnny has destroyed all of them, but has fallen unconscious, and when Reed gets to look into the bugs a bit more, he confirms that Victor sent them to kill the team. Reed figures that Victor was sent to Denmark, and he wants to go there, but Dr. Storm advises staying safe and letting the military take care of it, which Reed is not happy with. Meanwhile, after Van Damme brands another person looking to stay with his group, he finds out Reed and the team survived and transformed as well, and then attacks the new members who told him to chill. Reed, meanwhile, brings the team to his flying fantastic car he made when he was 13. The plan is to get Victor so that they can get the code they need before he is thrown into a military prison. Victor, meanwhile, is prepared for the visit, unaware that Reed is transformed. Victor tells his people he's going to be taken away for giving them things for free and rallies them to fight for them. As the ship nears, Victor shoots with a rocket launcher twice, causing them to crash. He takes Johnny out with pins he makes, shoots the thing with the rocket, poisons Sue with gas, and that just leaves Reed Richards. Reed taunts Victor by saying that his father didn't like Victor. And even Reed didn't like Victor either, causing Victor to attack him in a rage. He surprises Victor with his powers and demands the code. But Victor refuses. So Reed has Johnny attack with Sue and Ben, causing Doom to activate the tattoo brands that he has put everyone on the uh, permanent autonomous zone community, which causes them to fall under his control and he sends them to fight the Fantastic Four. The team has to pull back their powers to resist killing people as Reed tries to work on an override, but they take too long and the U.S. Army flies in to start shooting at civilians. Mm-hmm. Hooray for the U.S. Army. Reed and Victor stop what they're doing to basically not let more innocents get killed, and the military says they plan to arrest Victor. That is when the Danish army comes in and forces the American army to leave, and while the armed forces get into a pissing match, Reed breaks Victor's control over the people, and they all leave because they didn't like being psychically or computer-controlled. Makes sense. Yeah. Victor swears revenge, and Reed slashes Victor's face with one of Victor's spines, which doesn't heal. Like, I don't think they really established that Victor had a healing factor before this. Yeah, no, not really. Uh, Which scars him, and the team leaves Victor alone. And it's... It is an interesting 
Hank, I, I don't hate it as much as I remembered initially, like, hating this arc. Yeah, it's okay. Because I, I know there's... It's okay. Yeah, but it's not, like, the much maligned thing that I feel like it has in reputation. Like, I know a lot of people don't like Ultimate Doom. Or Ultimate Victor Van Damme. Victor Van Damme. Because they tried to, I guess, make him make more sense. Which is not how Doom works best. No. And giving him, like, poison gas that he can now generate. And murder quills. And his skin is actually metal. It, it's it's a weird take. Not the best one. No. Give me lots of, fl- of horrible flashbacks, too. The 2015 Fantastic Four movie. Uh, I yeah, but this at least had uh, Stuart Eminem work on the art. Yeah, I mean he keeps it looking very good and dynamic, and it's that sort of like next wavey style that he used. Yeah, it did look good. Yeah, but well, then. Are you ready now to rank our two stories on the trials of the Morgans? All right. Well, up first we have Ultimate X-Men number 4345, New Mutants. Uh, How do you feel about New Mutants? I like that one. That was good. It's it's like a far from perfect arc, I think. But it has some interesting ideas. I like how... I I think Bendis really enjoys Emma Frost as a character, and his take on Ultimate Emma Frost is interesting, where she's sort of a counterpart to Xavier. Mm -hmm. But I I also feel like this didn't have as many super big moments. No, it did not. Okay, uh, how do you feel about it compared to Ultimate X-Men Volume 1, The Tomorrow People? Um, it's, it's slightly better. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel... Hmm. Well, right above that is the Ultimate Marvel team up with Spider-Man and the X-Men where they all hang out at the mall. I think that one is better. Mm-hmm. I agree. But I kind of feel like I like World Tour more... Yes. So that would actually put it under the Tamara people. Okay. So then our new number 24 is Ultimate X-Men, New Mutants. And then we have Ultimate Fantastic Four, uh, numbers 7 through 12. And we ranked the uh, first Fantastic Four pretty high. I don't think this is as strong as that one is. Like, there's a lot. Uh, It was not. But I do think it's pretty good overall. Like, I'd be willing to put this above, um, like, the Spider-Man and the X-Men Marvel team-up. Yeah, sure. Uh, how do you feel about it compared to Irresponsible? Uh, not as good. Do you remember which one Irresponsible is? No. Uh, Irresponsible... Was was the Spider Man story? So, yeah, but that's the that's and it's not as good. As it's the Spider Man. It's not as good as Goldoff. Oh Jesus Christ! No. <laughs> okay, so our new number twenty one is Doom. 
And I don't think we got any questions this week, Devin. So sad. Yeah, well, you know, people are busy these days. And also, we just haven't gotten questions in for quite a while. What's up, listeners? Are you enjoying the new format of the show? Do you have feedback to give us? Because, you know, we want to make this a show that you enjoy listening to and sharing with other people. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yes. Uh, do you know what we are covering in two weeks, Devin? No. What are we covering, Luke? Uh, we are going to be covering The Tempest, which features... I believe what might be one of the most infamous moments in Ultimate X-Men. Stairs! Oh, yeah. And then we're just going to have a bunch of Spider-Man to talk about. I mean, you know what there's going to be, Devin? More Spider-Man, because everyone loves that. But also some Ultimate uh, Carnage, I believe. There's gonna be carnage. Also, Wolverine and Spider-Man body swap, and lots of other interesting mini-stories. Oh, that fun is arc. Yeah, well, you know, we're getting close to... Actually, I think we're still a while. Yeah, we're not going to get into our next big crossover until, like, September. When we get to... uh some vision and galactic stuff. Fun. We also don't have another superhero movie coming out until October, which is kind of buckwild. Mm-hmm. But then after that, at the start of November, we have Wonder Woman coming out. So, Wonder Woman! Hey, I forgot that was coming out this year. Mm-hmm. Wait, is it coming out this year? I thought they pushed it back. Uh, I could be wrong again. I thought they pushed um, it back because she Wonder wanted a May release date. Yeah, June 5th. <sighs> yep. Okay, well, I will update that on our calendar. So, I uh, wow, we're ending our superhero movie year with The Joker. We'll see how that is. Which, yeah, I, I mean, it could, it, it's got such a buck wild team behind it i mean at the very least joaquin is gonna be great hopefully uh yeah that is okay i'm looking at the collider.com list that was updated on july 5th so we got joker uh there's birds of prey in february uh new mutants in april hopefully yeah we'll believe it when we see it yeah uh, well, I'm at least adding Birds of Prey onto our calendar. Uh, I mean, remember how we were supposed to get a Gambit movie? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so New Mutants I'm so point about it, because quite cheerfully, the- I was super into that. Yeah. Uh, May 1st, we're still expected to have a Marvel movie that is yet to be announced, so that will probably be coming out at Comic-Con, and then we can be really excited about that. But yeah, uh, so Gambit's canceled. Word on the street is it's the Black Widow movie. 
Because that one I know has started to fill, where I don't actually know if any of the others have started filming. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Morbius, theoretically, next year. Uh, Venom 2, theoretically, next year. Please no Morbius. We don't make At least not Jared show. Leto as Morbius. Also, I don't really... I mean, yeah, I'm not into that. Also, I'm not into... I don't know. I don't think feel like Morbius can handle his own movie. I, I, I don't think he can be in a good movie. And I don't think he has the possibility to get into the crazed shit that was the Venom movie. Yeah. I, I'll i be excited to see if they can, like, re-catch that weird, horny spark. Yeah. Uh, but, Devin, where can people find you online to catch your weird, horny spark? And did anybody actually tweet you about the show? No. But you can find me online at Fred Fett, that's F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T. And Luke, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at, at Coltreg. That's K-O-L-T-R-E-G. And, you know, we're both on Exiled and all the other shows that we do. You, you know, you don't need to know this. If you're still listening to the show and you're still enjoying it, that's what matters. Uh, just mm-hmm. let us know, because that gives us the, uh, the inspiration we need to keep on doing this show. You know, I think that wraps us up for this week, and we'll be back in two weeks to talk about there's gonna be carnage. So much carnage. There is uh, going to be carnage. Hey, there's going to be carnage. There is a carnage. Yeah. Uh, Catch on the flip. Peace. (laughs)